Welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chura. It is so great to be with you today. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you to our guest because she has accomplished so much in her life, including having a world record. And for part of this world record feat, she had to climb the high point of Denali, which is in Alaska and is considered one of the seven hardest mountains to climb in the world. In fact, three people in every 1,000 who attempt this climb die. Famously, Hudson Stuck, the first man to successfully climb Denali, said, anyone who thinks that climbing Denali is a picnic is badly mistaken. Stuck was 49 years old when he said this. My guest today is Lucy Westlake, and she did this when she was 17. Denali solidified Lucy's world record, becoming the youngest female to hike all 50 high points in 50 states. I highlight that because when you first start listening today, you may be taken aback by the youthful voice you are hearing. But trust me, you have to listen to her perspective on life and how she became so ambitious. Lucy is not just a climber, she's also a triathlete, an endurance runner, an amazing student and scholar. There is no limit to what Lucy sets out to accomplish, and she has also found a way to make these missions bigger than herself by helping raise money for underdeveloped areas in Africa. This episode is a must-listen for you, but also if you're a parent or you know any kids that can benefit from this, please share this episode. I know I am making my daughter Morgan listen to it. Uh, as soon as it's published. So let's get into this, get on those shoes, and enjoy this conversation with the one in a million, Lucy Westlake. Lucy, it is great to be here with you today. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So your story is rather incredible. We met recently by happenstance at an event that I was hosting nearby with Richard Roll, Jordan Burroughs, and Cedric King. And I know you reached out and I dug into your profile a little bit and was just shocked at one, your age and how much you've accomplished so far in your life. So I wanted to have you on the show to talk about everything that you've done, uh, what gives you that strength and inspiration to be just such a young female leader and adventurer and mountaineer and already breaking world records. So I'm excited to get into that today. Me too. Me too. I'm definitely have a lot to share. So I'm super excited. So one of the one of the things that struck me immediately is uh, something called high points, which to be honest with you, it totally makes sense what a high point is, but uh-huh. I had to do a double take and, and really kind of understand what that meant when I read that you actually broke the world record for the youngest female to achieve all 50 high points. So can you unpack a little bit about what that means? Yeah, so each um, each state has a high point. So um, like the highest, it's not necessarily a mountain. Like in Louisiana, like some of the smaller states, they're, they're pretty small high points. But um, in some of like the out west um, states, they're huge mountains that are the highest point in each state. 
Um, so what high pointing is, is climbing to the top of each high point um, in each state. So um, it's actually, there's like a club and everything. It's a thing that a lot of people do, a lot of people enjoy, and they don't necessarily do all 50, but that's definitely a goal for a lot of people. Or the Continental 48 is another goal. You're um, just doing as many as you can. So that's, that's what me and my dad um, and really a lot of my, my whole family um, has been doing since I was seven. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What got you into it in the first place? Was it a family tradition, or you just you you guys just did one state and when you were seven years old, and that was it? Yeah, we kind of stumbled upon it, honestly. So me and my family were on a mission trip in Louisville, or well, we lived in Louisville, Kentucky at the time, and we were, went to Lynch, Kentucky, for a mission trip with our church. And we had a little bit of downtime. I think it was right like after the mission trip. And my mom had done some research. She's a big researcher, and she she's like, "Oh, the highest uh, the highest point in Kentucky is like 10 minutes down the road." And you just drove up it. Like that was a really easy one. So we drove up, and we were like, "Oh, this is super cool. We're all on the on the top of Kentucky. Like that's awesome." So. Um, so after that, my mom did more research and found out that high pointing was actually like a thing and that a lot of people do it. And we all thought it was my family's me, my dad, my brother, and I. And we thought that that sounded like something that really catered to what we love to do. We're very adventurous, outdoorsy people. So, um, so when we travel, we're also big travelers. <laughs> so when we would travel around the country, we'd stop along our travels and do some high points. And eventually we racked up a lot of states. Do you know what made her Google that when she was in Kentucky out of all places? I honestly have no idea. Like <laughs> what motivates her, I, I'd say is just like fate, I guess, <laughs> honestly. Like she's, she's yeah, she, she just felt moved to do it. I'm not sure if someone in the community where we were working told her about it or how she found out, but somehow she did. Yeah, that's pretty incredible because that was the start of your journey toward yeah. high pointing obviously and breaking the world record mm-hmm. yeah pretty amazing so then then what happens after your first feud does your whole family do them together or walk us through that yeah so we started with my whole family doing it um and then kind of as the mountains got more challenging, um, bigger, I remember the first one I remember doing without my entire family, um, where just me and my father did it, was Colorado's highest mountain, which is Mount Elbrus. And that one is like 14,000, over 14,000 feet, like one of the highest in the continental U.S. So me and my dad did that when I was eight, and we it was just us two. My brother... He wasn't as into it, like the pushing yourself over long distance. Um, he's now he's a, he's a very athletic person. Um, he loves football, uh, especially he's a big football guy. Um, I just started at my high school. Um, he's a freshman too. He's younger than me, but that didn't really like speak to him climbing mountains. That <laughs> he wasn't into it, so he was like, oh, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go up that one." And my mom was like, "Okay, I'll stay with him in the car." So. It just ended up being me and my dad, and that's that's how we've done like the the higher mountains. It's always just been me and my dad. So how old were you when you did that one? That one was when I was eight years old. Wow. Yeah. So what about you at eight years old makes you want to push yourself? Yeah, I honestly, it was just like something that that I I love to do. I 
from when I was, I began running actually when I was in first grade, when I was um, six and seven. And even before that, I did my first 5K when I was four. And I just had like amazing examples of people around me. So my dad was a runner in college and he'd always done the 5K. So uh, this like, 5k in our town that happens every year so I was like oh my gosh like I want to do that so um, I wanted to do it because he did it and and once I like set my mind to do something I was just very like stubborn <laughs> I was like once I start I'm going to finish and I remember in that 5k like by the end I was crying <laughs> I was like didn't I was hurting so badly but I finished like I I had to finish and that's kind of with mountain climbing, like I was just, it's just like kind of who I am. Just like I need, once I start something, I need to finish it. At four years old, you recall <laughs> that that vividly? Yes, yes. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Wow. So, so then from, from that point, you were, got into running uh, at four years old, right? That was the start of that. High points at age seven. And you're how old now, just to kind of level set? I'm 17. Okay. Yeah. So a decade later, you've, yeah. uh, you've climbed now all 50 high points in the United States. Yeah. How long did that take you in total? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of weird. It did, t- like, I finished my last high point, um, Denali in Alaska, this June, this past June, is when I summited that one. So it took me, uh, to do all 50, it took me seven years. But really, like, if you add up just the time that we spent actually mountain climbing, it's probably not that long because we um, we would take, like, week-long trips out, um, like, out west and climb, like, a mountain every day. and Or, like, if they were bigger, like, we'd go right from mountain back to back to the next mountain to the next mountain. We'd just drive in between and start the next hike. Um, we just, like, we didn't have a lot of time between school and sports. Uh, we just didn't. Like, there's not a lot of time to go out west and travel and do these mountains. So, really, like, the total amount of time we spent just, like, actually climbing is not that much. And I also, um, I finished the the lower 48, um, and actually Hawaii, too. So, the 49 of the 50, I finished when I was 12. And uh, we went to, me and my dad went to Denali when I was 13, and we tried to summit that um, summit it when I was 13, which we didn't actually make it to the top. Yeah, I want to dive into that. I know mm-hmm. about that. But before we get to Denali, was were there other difficult ones along the way that that you had to push through, for lack of better words? For sure, for sure. I, other than like Denali, looking back when I was 13, that's like the hardest mountain I've ever climbed for sure. But other than that, I'd say I've done some other ones and like some other big ones, like the highest in Europe, the highest in Africa. And I'd say that Wyoming's high point, um, Gannett, is like is the hardest mountain I've ever done other than Denali. Um, and I say that just because like age was such a big factor. Like when I climbed the highest mountain in Europe, yes, it's like it's a harder mountain than Gannett, but I was so much older. And like every year matters so much when, when you're growing and like at that age. So I did... Gannett when I I was 11 or 12 I can't remember I think I was 11 when I did that one and um and it was just I remember being so so challenging it was um a three we we did it in three days it's you can you can do it up to like a week but uh, like we usually had time constraints so we would climb these mountains like in the least amount of time possible so we did it in three days and 
Um, the summit day was just so hard. It was brutal. It was, there's this big ridge, so you almost had to climb like three mountains that day because you go up the ridge, then you go all the way down, and then you go back up to the summit, and then down up the ridge and back to camp. So it was, it was just so mentally challenging and also physically challenging um, that we were so worn out. And the, there was a lot of, um, like at the summit, there was this ridge that that was really scary, I remember. I used to be afraid of heights. Um, I don't know why I chose mountain climbing, but I, being afraid of heights, but I, I still loved it. But on this ridge, like I remember that's where I like conquered my fear of heights. Like that, I can totally remember like pinpointing that moment is when I conquered that fear. Um, just because it was so like, the ridge was like a thousand foot drop on one side and then a foot long ridge, or probably like two feet three feet like wide and then another drop on the other side and I just like it was just me and my dad up there so we were just tied just us and there's a rope between us in case one of us fell off then the other one would try to catch the <laughs> self-arrest and catch um, your partner and you so it was just but there's so, nothing to hang on to so yeah it, it almost seems so like more dangerous if one person falls than I mean, if you fell, your dad would probably be strong enough, but if he fell, mm -hmm. it would probably have taken you down, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes we we would always debate, like, roping up when it was just us because it's true. If my dad falls, then it's almost, it's worse almost to be roped up, roped up yeah. because then I I probably wouldn't be able to, like, to arrest him, but I would try my best. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. At least you have, a, you have a shot. Yeah, right? I have a um, shot. Yeah, I mean, I would do the same thing. I, I don't think I would let my... I think I would rope my daughter up too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because then if I fall. But yeah, so that was definitely, like, once I made it up and down that ridge without falling, and I just gained, like, a lot of trust for myself, for myself, and I was like, I know I can do this. And there's no barricades, nothing. It's just this, the cliff, the drop-off is a 1,000 feet, so you're, you're literally, like, a foot or two away or, like, a few feet away from, uh, and how long did you have to go across this ridge? I'd say it was about a 20 minute, 20 minutes up and then probably like 10 minutes down and you can go down it uh, faster, but yeah. So it and was were you like holding on, like facing the mountainside, like, yeah. You know? Okay. So it was like at some points it's, this is like this summit ridge. So you're really like the highest thing around. So you, there's not really like a mountain to hold on to, but at some, so at some points it's just you walking and there's like the drop off on either side, but at some points you'd like go around. Um, like these rocks I remember like scaling kind of around them and like holding on to them and yeah it was it was really scary in those moments but like now those are my favorite parts of the mountain is like the ridge the ridges and like the adrenaline you get from that I just I find a lot of I find it very empowering to be able to do that so yeah that's incredible so what were you using any sort of techniques that your dad taught you like how to control your breathing or how to not freak out when you're over you know looking a thousand feet down yeah yeah no breathing is a huge part of it and my dad wasn't wasn't really the one who taught me like my dad never mountain climbed before we started doing the high points so he didn't really know more than I did like we learned together really we're like we're definitely like we're partners so we we learn from each other in some aspects but he didn't really have a lot of like pre-knowledge um so where who actually like taught me about breathing and everything was um 
this guide um, who was actually like a really amazing Sherpa um, and climbs guides in, on Everest and everything, but he was working, it wasn't Everest season, so he was working on Mount Rainier, which is the highest mountain in Washington. And I did that one, I want to say I was either 9 or 10, I think I was 10, when, um, when we went on, um, on Rainier. And that was the first mountain we went actually guided, so using guides and and he was our guide, me and my dad and a few other people. And he taught me about how important breathing was when you're mountain climbing because as you ascend, the air gets thinner and thinner and that's a huge part of climbing is being able to control your breath, not get out of breath, not get super tired um, because you're hiking for like eight hours. You don't want to get out of breath. You can't be out of breath for eight hours. So what he taught me is to like is to get a cadence with your stride and your breathing and to match those. So I've always done that when when I start when the mountains start to get harder and I can like feel the altitude, I like breathe in on one step and breathe out on the other and breathe in on one step and it's very calming. And we do this a lot in running too, like before races, we focus on our breathing and I believe that's a huge part of of performance is like Focusing your breathing and it allows you to be in the moment too mentally. So, do you breathe do just through your nose or do you do mouth breathing as well? I I usually breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth, but I kind of like do both. Like if I feel like I'm not getting enough just through my nose, I just I, I always breathe in through my nose, but I can also breathe in through my nose and my mouth and then out through my mouth. What did the Sherpa teach you? Was there a right way or? No, he does say, he didn't really say, like, specifics, but he did say, like, match your, match your cadence of your, of your footsteps to your breathing. Like, that's, that was his main, his, like, oh gosh, <laughs> hammering, hammering that home. Was that what he told me to do? And how do you, so do you also, we'll get into cross country and running in a few minutes here, but do you also do the same technique when you're running? I actually, I kind of do. I don't specifically, it, it, my cadence of my stride is, is more um, is like faster than the cadence of my breathing when I run, but I do really focus on my breathing. Like I think a lot about that, um, especially at the beginning of races, because kind of how my coach has always taught me to run, and one of our big race strategies is to go out um, like like relaxed and not as not super fast. Don't like sprint at the beginning and then build throughout the race. Um, which is definitely like a strategy that my entire team does and one that's out there. Um, so the first mile, I just focus on my breathing is what I'm thinking about almost the entire time and just staying relaxed and um, like not tensing up. Um, and yeah, thinking about my breathing is a huge part of that. And then as I get into like the last mile, everything, I just know my breathing is gonna, is gonna just be like very labored and I just give it my all at that point. But for the first parts of the race, I definitely focus on that. And I imagine you handle anticipation of races similar to how you would handle anticipation of climbing. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you find the similar techniques in ter terms of controlling your breath, visualization, like what, what was in your mental toolbox? Yeah, so my, my cross-country team and our track team actually has a, we have a yoga coach, um, and I, I learned about like this whole thing freshman year when I was with her. Um, she does a lot of, like before, the day before races, we do yoga and positive mental imagery, 
Um, and I found that to help so much. Like I ran before, I've been running since first grade and I had never known like mental imagery was a thing, um, anything like that. Uh, and so I never did it before races. Uh, but once I got to high school and did that, I just noticed like that makes so much of a difference. Uh, being able to like visualize your race beforehand and visualize it going great, going not great, um, it really prepares you for the race and and just calms you when you're in the moment um, and almost gives you like an instinct. Like you already, you are, your body already knows what you're gonna do. Cause like telling your mind that, your mind doesn't know the difference really between visualizing and actually doing. So it's a great way to, to prepare yourself mentally for the race. Yeah, I learned that when I was young too. I, I remember being uh, grounded and laying on my bed and I had a basketball in my hand and I did a game that night. I was so bored and this was way pre iPads or devices. You yeah. know, I had a vinyl record player. And I just remember laying in my bed, just visualizing, making three-pointers. And that night I went out and I had like the best game of my oh. life. Like no matter what I shot went in. And I just will never forget that moment because it, it taught me the power of visualizing the outcome that you want. That's so cool. That, yeah. yeah. It was it pretty, so much. pretty remarkable. Um, so let's get into Denali because I think that's, that's a pretty interesting story on how you initially did not make it up to nine. I mean, you were 13 years old, so let's yeah. give yourself some credit there. <laughs> Thank you. But then came back and, and conquered it. So that, that first time, what happened? Yeah, so the first time... Um, me and my dad went to Denali, and we were definitely not prepared for that mountain. Like, I, I'd been climbing for a while, and um, at that point, like, five years. So I was like, oh, like, you know, we, we've been mountain climbing. We know what we're doing. But Denali was a whole different world than any mountain I had ever done. And I had done, like, Kilim Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Like, I'd done some pretty, some pretty big mountains. But Denali, you're on the mountain for, it takes 16 to like 28 days. It's a big range just due to weather and different circumstances that can occur. Um, and you're on glacier the entire time, which, um, which is so challenging mentally and physically. So what happens is you, you go into this like tiny, tiny town in Alaska called, um, called uh, Talkeetna, and you fly on this glacier plane, and they fly you actually onto the glacier at around 7,000 feet. And from that point on, you're just like on ice and snow the entire time. And you have to carry everything you need for 21 days. Like that's kind of the baseline. You say 21 to 24, like give yourself wiggle room, but that's how many you plan for. So you have all your food, all your gear, everything on like carrying on your back and on a sled behind you. So that the first few days, that's like around 100, 110 pounds um, uh, that you have to carry between your back and your sled. And then as you get up the mountain and eat food, it gets a little bit less. But I like I weigh I weighed about 95 pounds then. I weigh about 100 now. So I like that's more than my body weight, or at least like equal to my body weight. So I was just I had never carried that much in my life, and I wasn't I wasn't like expecting it to be that that challenging. Like I knew it was going to be hard, but I had never faced anything like that before in my life. So it was. It was in like so eye opening. It taught me so much about myself and like what I can do, like my limits, um, and how to push those. So, the first day I remember like getting back to my tent and 
my dad, me, and one other person shared a tent, and the, that person we were with had already been on Denali. Um, so I asked her, I was like, is that the easiest day? And I was like, please say that's like, or is that the hardest day? I was like, please say that's the hardest day like we have. And she was like, no, that's like the easiest day. And I was like, oh my gosh. But, um, but yeah, I mean, somehow, like, I made it up. <laughs> like I said, I don't like to, like, once I set my mind to something, I don't like yeah. to, I don't like to not, not give my all. So we made it up all the way to 17,000 feet, which is the highest camp. And so we were one day away. Our, we were planning to summit, actually, like, the next day. So we are up at 17,000 camp, and we were already at, we were already at 19 days. Um, it took us 19 days to get up there because we were actually stuck at 14,000 camp for a week due to weather. We were just stormed in the entire time. Um, so it took us 19 days, and we were up there, and we had, the guides we were with, we took a guided, we were on a guided trip, and they only have 21 days on the mountain because they, they have the next group that they have to get back to and guide. So basically what happened is they were like, we have, like, like we have to summit now or we have to go down. So we were waiting for a summer opportunity, and like our first, like we got up there and we we're like, okay, this is the, this is the night we're gonna summit, and basically what happened is there there was like other people at the camp that went up who weren't in our group, and they they went up the mountain, summited, came down, and they didn't make it back to camp because due to weather and just due to altitude exhaustion, so. One of, there is a guide and a client, and the guide just left the client up there. So our guides were ca called on a rescue mission. So they had to go up and try to, like, save this man on the mountain. And they, so they told us, they were like, we have to go. Just, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to summit. We're just, we need to go help this person. So we, we were just, they just told us to stay in our tent. So we just stayed in the tent, and unfortunately they didn't bring, they could, the man didn't make it back to camp, which was... Yeah, it was it was really scary and really eye-opening for sure. Um, but but yeah, that's basically like after that, our guides were too tired to guide us up that day. Weather came in the next day, and then we had to go back down. So we wow. never we didn't get a summit opportunity. And yeah, being that close to death was really was crazy. So how do you? <laughs> that is, it's so incredible. Like how does how does one like. I guess this is a question for your father. Like, how does he know when it's too much to push it? Like, in that case, like, you mm -hmm. see someone come down that just died, and you guys are still like, hey, can we go up there? Yeah, yeah. It's mountaineering is is definitely not a sport for the, like, faint the of heart. faint of heart. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, like, we, in that case, we are with guides. So you really just, like, you trust do what the they guide. say. Yeah. yeah, you trust them cuz our guides had been on the mountain like over th like our main guide had been on the mountain almost 30 years. Like he knew what he was doing. So we we trusted his decision making. But actually this past time when we were on Denali, we weren't guided. Um, we went unguided just so we wouldn't have that time restraint. <laughs> um, so we were like, oh, we want to be up there as long as it takes to get to the summit. And so, you got, are you guys always on the same page with those decisions? No, not always. And this past trip, we actually, that that was one thing that was really challenging. Like the first, 
This past trip was really like a mental and emotional battle more than anything. The first trip was definitely like a physical battle for me, but this past time I was more physically strong. I was older. So what was really challenging was like getting me and my dad on the same page and all of our all of our the people in our group on the same page because there were 10 of us. And what happened is at 14,000 camp, some of us didn't want to go on and some of us did. So me and my dad were like there was three of us who actually wanted to go up the mountain, continue to go, and the rest didn't for either physical reasons or they didn't feel comfortable. Um, you, the weather is a big factor. So we had conflicting weather forecast, and some were showed really bad weather, and some showed fine weather. So a lot of people didn't feel comfortable going up in that. And how many people were in the camp? There at fourteen thousand camp, there were probably about a hundred people. Because that's, that's the biggest camp on Denali, um, because that's where a lot of people just like take rest days, and it's the most safe camp and everything. So there was, there's about 100 people there, but in our group, there was about 10, or there was 10. So what, what ended up happening is me and my dad were the only ones who went up the mountain, um, which was super scary because we had never... Like, we didn't plan to go up, just the two of us. Uh, we had been up with a guide before to 17,000, but neither of us had been to the summit. And, and uh, like, I wasn't sure if I could, if we had the technical skills to do that. Um, so I really, that was, like, a moment I had to really ask myself, because I'm more, like, technically savvy with ropes and everything. So I had to, like ask myself, can I guide my dad and me to the summit safely? And the most technical part of the mountain is actually going from 14,000 to 17,000 camp. Um, there's a ridge uh, and a lot of a lot of uh, very like technical technical um, difficulties. So I decided that I thought I could, but it definitely took me. Like my dad was more pushy. He he wanted to go more than I did. And at 17,000 camp, he get like again wanted. He was like, I really want to go up, and I was like, I don't know if we should with like the weather and everything. And we ended up actually one day going halfway up, and the weather was like was horrible, and we came back down because it was just like the worst climbing conditions I had ever been in, sleet, and you could barely see anything. So. So yeah, it definitely, like being on the same page as your climbing partner is really important. And we had some, some difficult difficulties with that on Denali. Uh, but I mean, in the end, like my dad was like, Lucy, you just, like I'm, I'm for whatever you want to do. So he, he definitely really trusted me in that moment. And I really appreciated that. And I was able to like, decide what I felt comfortable with if I wanted to go up or not and it ended up working out so yeah happy with that that's absolutely fascinating I I wonder like what what is going through your head then when you reach the top of Denali oh my gosh it's just in, incredible like I I was at all with with my surroundings like the the view up there it's just insane. Like that's half of the reason why I mountain climb is just because it's the most beautiful place on earth up like above, above the, all those peaks looking down on these glaciers everywhere. There's like millions of mountains just surrounding you. Like it's, it's indescribable. It's beautiful. And I, I love it up there. 
But, um, and then the other part of me is just like at all with myself and my father and like what we're, what we're able to do, like push our bodies mentally and physically. Like up there, is, it seems like no human should be able to go up there for sure. But, but a lot of, like a good amount of people do. And it, it just, it shows me how, how limitless like we really are. So it's, it's all like, it's all in your head. It's all what you limit yourself to. Yeah, it's incredible. How long did you stay up there at the when you got to the summit? We we stayed up probably about like ten minutes. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah, I know. You spend like twenty you spend twenty days going up there in ten minutes yeah, at the summit. I was gonna say, yeah, that's when we did half zone, which is nothing like that. Like you're up there and you're like, okay, we made it. You turn around, you're like, it's time to go back. Yeah, uh-huh. you just feel so awful up there. You're like, I don't want to be up here any longer. <laughs> and um, and also like there's a storm. Well, we weren't exactly sure, but there were like storm clouds kind of coming in, um, and like whiteout conditions coming. So we we knew we had to get down uh, fast. So that was another reason we didn't stay up there longer. But yeah. So once you once you finished that and you accomplished because that was the last high peak, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Once you accomplished that was the, like I'm sure that was exhilarating. Yeah. Then did you immediately start thinking about what the next goal would be? Not exactly. I I definitely like actually even before Denali in the back of my mind had um had like I knew the Explorers Grand Slam was like um or even the seven summits is like a big goal of people um, afterwards. And that's when you climb um, the highest mountain on every continent. Um, and then the Explorers Grand Slam is that plus going to the North and South Pole. So I, I knew that was like, was a, was a possibility because I had already done, I've done three of the seven um, and I've been to four of the seven actually. So, but I really, I like to like focus on one thing at a time. So once I was like, okay, I want to do like the 50 high points. And then afterwards, I just was like really exhilarated and kind of reveling and like, oh, I actually did that. Like the, that was a culmination of like 10 years of work. Um, but then like a month or two later, it's usually my mom who like asks me, she's like, Lucy, like, like, what do you want to do next? Or she's like, throws out an idea. She's like, so I heard of like the Explorers Grand Slam. And I, I mean, I always like all of her ideas just are amazing. I'm like, yes, yes, for sure. Like I, I always want to do it. Yeah. Be careful with your mom and Google and the computer. I like, know. Who knows where you'll be next. Exactly. Exactly. She's, I mean, I, she's convinced me I really want to do the Explorers Grand Slam. So hopefully that, that is the next goal. Is there any high point within there that scares you more than another? I'd say, I mean, Everest is just very, like, there's a lot, like, I've read, I've read a book, Into Thin Air, and the way they described Everest was, I mean, like, I, I've experienced it on Denali, and it is scary to, like, to, it's scary that I, like, want to go back, honestly. I'm, like, I, I just like I can't stay away from the mountains. I can't. Yeah. And even though like I know it's so like physically and mentally and emotionally uh, just taxing and like pushes you to your very limit, like I I just I can't wait for it. I'm really excited. But that's definitely like just the amount of amount of stories that uh, come from Everest is definitely um, is definitely scary. And then 
Um, the South Pole, like going to the North and South Pole, I'd say are the next, um, like the next quote, like scariest. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like scared to go there, but like, I think they'll be the next, like, most challenging. Yeah. Um, And then... Just a little more intimidating. Yeah, more intimidating, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's fascinating. So through this journey then, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned that others can learn from? Yeah, I, I would, like, mainly that that like whatever you set your mind to, you can do. If you really go after it, if you really like really want want it bad enough, then then you'll be able to do it. And it might not be in the same time frame as you're thinking, and it might not be in the same way that you're thinking. You might get have to get out of your comfort zone a lot <laughs> on the on the way to that goal. But I mean, you just have to keep pursuing it no matter what. Like there there will be setbacks for sure. Because any, I mean, any goal worth worth achieving, it's it's not always you're not. There's going to be a lot of challenges on the way there, and you're not going to get to it probably the way you think you you plan to get to it. But having a plan and going after it with all with all you have and being adaptable is like that's that's the main thing I've probably I've learned from mountain climbing and from running and all of like all my physical endeavors. So were you training a lot here? Because I know for the audience, we're in Illinois, mm-hmm. fairly flat ground. Yes. Were you yeah. training here physically for some of these missions? Yeah. So for mountain climbing, the main the main way I train is through running. Uh, because, I mean, my, my cross-country team here, uh, my cross-country and track team um, at my high school, we're one of the best in the nation. Like, the program is amazing. I have an amazing coach. And the amount of like the amount of work we do, we train, we run six to seven days a week. So that's like that's the best training that you can get is like aerobically. It, that is amazing training for the mountains. And I I found that I basically don't need to do any other training other than that. And I don't really have time to either between high school right. and that. That takes up basically all of my day. But um, but I do do um, weightlifting too um, to get some of the more like more power behind that and it's also for running so I weight lift for running and for mountain climbing um and getting that strength is definitely I found I actually just started about a year ago so like six months seven months before Denali and I found that made such a difference um and I I would go to Lifetime to do that and right now I'm actually in a strength and performance class at my high school and it's it's great like I love what weightlifting I find so many physical benefits to that so that's how I train is through weightlifting and through running and how are you doing in cross-country right now um it's been going really well actually this year um we it's about midway through the season a little bit less than halfway through the season um and my team we're we're a new team this year so we lost a lot of our our top seven runners and had to rebuild a lot um, and I've been really excited to be able to like step up as a leader on my team because I'm one of the few remaining from the top seven. Um, but I've been so proud of of all of my teammates and how they've stepped up. Like we, 
uh, people didn't expect much of us this season, but we've really, we've outperformed many expectations, and I'm super excited for where we're going to go, um, and I'm already proud of us. Like, we, we're ranked second in the state right now, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Now, do you plan on, on uh, continuing running and cross country in college as well? Yeah, I do. I'm actually I'm in the the recruiting process right now, um, but I I really hope to uh, hope to run. And I, I'm looking at a few schools. I really like like USC, University of Southern California, and Duke, and and a few other schools that that I've been I've been talking with the coaches and everything. Um, but I'll probably make that that decision pretty soon coming up here. I've been working on college apps a lot <laughs> these past these past few months actually. But um but yeah, so that's I plan to run in college, but we'll see. I'm open also to not running, but I that's the direction where it's headed. Have you seen these these achievements and milestones that you've accomplished? Have they encouraged others to do things that you didn't think were were going to happen or unexpected. I mean, was there, I guess said differently, was there this tangible other benefit to accomplishing what you've done that you didn't know would influence others? Yeah, I d- I've definitely seen that. And that's, that's like something I really am passionate about is like, is not, I just don't, I don't want to just benefit me. Like I love mountain climbing and I, I would do it like, just to just because I love it but I also like I really want to to like help other people find that love and I think a lot of people a lot of people do have that like within them I've every almost everyone I talk to like even at my high school I'm like oh like like when they figure out that I mountain climb they're like oh my gosh like I love like I love nature I love the outdoors like I want to mountain climb and I'm like like, I just want to inspire people to really get after that, to actually, like, pursue that love, to pursue that and grow it. Because it's, I mean, there's so many benefits to it. The the physical benefits you get from training for it, from having that motivation, and then the way you're able to mentally push yourself, and also just getting away from the world. I mean, just stepping into the mountains, stepping into the outdoors, it's, it's, there's so there's so many benefits. Like, you, I can't even, like, begin to describe it. It's different for every person. It's really, like, it's really a self, self-reflective time. And so I definitely want to want to encourage people to do that and to not only, like, climb their, to climb their own mountains, even if it's not an actual mountain. Like, even if it's, oh, like, you're, you're struggling in, like, with your workspace, like, do, doing, doing yeah. that, like, yeah, I, that's really that's something I really want to do is help inspire people. And I said too, you do some of this for Water Step. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain what Water Step mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So Water Step is a nonprofit organization who they make water chlorinators, and uh, like their goal is to combat the world water and sanitation crisis. And they take they actually do it. Um, they fund the chlorinators through shoe drives. So they take um, money from used shoes that people give them and sell it across the across the world, and they make money from that and give people jobs doing that. And then they make water chlorinators and put these water chlorinators in all over the world that where communities don't have access to safe water. 
So that the, the world water and sanitation crisis is something I'm really passionate about. Um, and it's also something I really want to impact through my mountain climbing um, is being able to raise awareness and money and help for, for the water and sanitation crisis and being able to combat that. And I, I really like gained this goal when I went, I went to Africa um, when I climbed Kilimanjaro. And that's, that's where I like saw the, this problem firsthand and was able, me and my family actually able to put in a water filter over there and ever since then, like, I, I mean, that's, like, life-changing. Like, you can't unsee, unsee what you, I saw over there. So, so yeah, so after, the, like, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life, honestly, is, like, when I, I want to major in public policy in college and afterward, after college, I want to be an influencer and be able to, to really change, to change the policies that are in these countries that keep people, keep people without access to safe water. It's incredible. When I'm talking to you, it's like I'm talking to someone that is 20 to 30 years older. <laughs> Thank you. Like you're just so beyond your years, and, and you're such a force at not only the things that you've accomplished since four years old, since running that 5K, to the high points, to Denali, to everything else, but to also have this gene that it takes people many years to learn. The secret to life is to give back, and you've kind of already figured that out and you're dedicating your life toward change it's just it's incredible do people I, I guess before I ask about how people look at you or how you feel that like do you look back at yourself and think about your life in any sort of unique way I'm just like I'm so grateful for all the opportunities I've had to see the world like that's that's really why I feel like I'm I'm like perceived as older and have like this this perspective that usually only like older people get um because it's like it's through experience it's through traveling through seeing other communities other cultures other people um just like through my travels i've i feel like i know what i want to do with my life like that's really become clear to me and and i, I mean i think traveling is the best way to learn to learn about life, to learn about anything. So I, that's another thing I really want to encourage people to do. And I know it's hard, like not everyone has the same access to travel as other people, um, which which is a tragedy. I think we sh all should have that opportunity. But, um, but yeah, that's like when I look back on my life, I'm really grateful to my parents for, for exposing me to all these different cultures and and just giving me this unique perspective. But it's, it's one thing to be brought to those places because I think many can relate who are listening or watching this that have kids, right? You bring your kids to some foreign land of some sort. Yeah. But I think the difference is opening your eyes to what you want to see and what you, you can see versus just going there for amusement. Yeah. And that is, I think, what is very different about you. And I'm trying to like pinpoint that gene like it's almost like you were just born with this gift to be more open and see things in a different way yeah i would that's like that's a very good point because yeah i know a lot of people go on like vacation to these to like the beach and everything which is so fun like don't get me wrong <laughs> but but going and really like having the mind to learn from 
the people that like of where you're going and and really like diving in to to not only like the touristy things but like deeper than that and to see what's going on there to like to really relate to people I think a lot of it has to do with like empathy like with really like feeling what what the people around you are feeling and I think that that's something I feel like I'm an empathetic person and I feel like that's kind of guided me uh, when I travel and uh, and yeah and beyond that with when I come back like you can't just forget what you learn over there you have to you have to really keep it like close to your heart and so I guess going back to my earlier question then like how does do you feel others look at you in any sort of unique way I mean you were just featured in a book for example you've been on the news you have an amazing website better than uh, most websites if not my website for sure uh, and I just think it portrays who you are so well like do, do you feel other people look at you in this and the, you know with a different lens or are you just like Lucy this chill girl that likes to climb mountains and explore the world and do crazy stuff yeah I I'd say it really varies like I I've had a lot of like my closest friends or people that I've grown up with since like since I was born and I feel like they they've always like I'm the same person I always was they've always known me to be like the like very adventurous very outgoing and and just like loving to like I'm the one that always like comes up with the ideas they're like oh what should we do today I'm like let's like go swim to an island or something like I don't know I just I I have like an optimistic view on life and also like a very adventurous um, take on life and sometimes I overestimate like myself and my abilities but honestly like I think that's a great way to go through life and I feel like the people around me that I really care about deeply that uh, that have been in my life don't view me any differently since uh, since like the world record or anything um, but I definitely like definitely some people are like oh my gosh like like you climb mountains or like it's it's has like changed the way that some people view me and like I don't think that's a bad thing I think like I I definitely accept that that way too and um yeah both are both are great like I I feel like I haven't changed like the person I am has stayed constant through that and the only thing that's like that's changed is um is like the experiences I've had and I've definitely learned through that and that does change you like climbing those mountains but not so much the record more like the experience of climbing and the trials that it puts you through so so yeah I I feel like a lot of people are are like very like impressed about like what I want to do with my life and everything but I've I've been wanting to do it for a really long time and I don't I don't see it changing so yeah, and I have to give your dad and, and your, your parents, I met your father, but I haven't met your mother yet, just a ton of kudos for yeah. just being great models and pushing you toward the adventure and your dad on top of Denali and the cliffs, like making those decisions because I know more than anything, he wants you to be safe. Like that's first and foremost, but to have that, the back of his mind but also push you enough forward or say Lucy this is on you like do you want to do it and he has your back it's just it's incredible and it's rare yeah. I mean you don't I don't it's 
this is like a one in a million thing to me that that I'm seeing and, and from you and just the way you are and just the experiences you've had and it's very like um, you're, you're most watching like a force in motion say like, okay, whatever this girl wants to do, bet on her because I know <laughs> she's going to accomplish it. Thank you. Thank you. I do have to give, yes, my parents are the reason I accomplish a lot of the things I do. They have supported me in everything that I've set my mind to and and directed me a lot uh, throughout the process. So yeah, yeah it's, it's truly incredible. So tell me about this book that you were just featured in. Yeah, so it was, it's the five-week leadership challenge, and it's written by, um, by Patrick Ledden, who has been, like, is probably, like, my dad's, one of his best friends, and has been a family friend since, he, we actually met him through our church, uh, uh, we both, li- when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky, and, yeah, no, he, I mean, he's an amazing person, and the book is about leadership, and it's really catered to anyone, um, he, it can be like used in a business standpoint to to I know a lot of like business leaders have given it to their employees to make them better leaders to teach them that skill. Um, it can be, but it can be like read by individuals. It it really like has a lot of uh, can can speak to a lot of different diverse fields. Um, and I the reason I'm featured in there is because I'm in his chapter about rethinking failure because when I went to Denali the first time when I was 13 uh, we failed like we didn't get to the summit Um, but really that it just like motivated me to really want to go back and to try even harder the next time and that's that's where he he saw that that opportunity of like of my rethinking failure so that's that's why I was in the book and and he has like a different story for each chapter. So I'm like one of the chapter stories. Um, and then there's like a chance to be introspective and write about how like you rethink failure and everything. So it's a great, it's a great book. And, um, and I found like leadership is, everyone needs to be a leader. Like that's just a life skill. Like you, even if you're just leading yourself, like you have to lead yourself well through, through college, through your first careers and yeah, so I, I mean, it can be applicable to anyone. And uh, we recently, I recently went on a book tour with Patrick um, to launch the book because it launched um, like August 24th, I think. The, yeah, it's it the New York Times bestseller. Recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. it's been doing great. It's been doing amazing. Yeah, Patrick's the real deal. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a, an amazing speaker. I love speaking with him. And just an amazing leader, an amazing businessman. Like, yeah. He is. And you you talk about a twist of fate or following doors that are open. Mm -hmm. Your dad Mm -hmm. told me the story on how you you guys really met and you ended up, you were in the same church, but you ended up at, I don't know if it was a campground or or something and everyone ended up leaving Mm -hmm. and it was just like two families left. Uh Two families were left here and it was your family and his family. And all of a sudden, like he's the guy that's writing this book about leadership and you're featured in his book. Like out of all of the chances to be next to someone and him to be next to you is pretty incredible yeah I like personally I like don't believe in luck like I think I believe that like God makes everything happen so I just like like I've seen that so many times in my life like the where I am it's take it like you could chalk it up to chance so many times like even the fact that like I I went to Africa like 
knowing knowing water step that was just an organization that like was involved in our in our church and we just like one of our friends was involved with water step and then i have a like got a pen pal in uganda when i was two years old that like her village struggles with water like everything is just come together in my life like so perfectly that i just i'm like I, I don't I can't believe in luck like this is, I'm too lucky for that <laughs> yeah it's like the path just reveals itself constantly and mm-hmm. all these dots connect behind you but not necessarily in front of you and yeah. you just have to trust that this door that was just opened even though it looks like there's nothing in that behind it or mm-hmm. in that room wherever it's leading to is going to lead to somewhere eventually and you can only connect it later to say yeah. oh yeah that's why i had a pen pal oh yeah that's why i ran the 5k oh yeah mm-hmm. that's why we failed at denali the first time so we could go back again and now yeah. all of a sudden i'm featuring the book about failure you know what i mean it's just like yeah the list goes on and i think that's the remarkable thing is that you're you're stepping into those doors and you're stepping into the areas of unknown but that is creating those dots in that history and and your story yeah, you gotta just seize every opportunity and really be like a yes person. Like, say say yes to a lot of things, and and your life will definitely open up before you. Yeah, that's so funny. We just completed the Spartan Ultra Race. That's why I'm a little banged up a week ago. And that's awesome. and uh, a guy in there, Mike, uh, he said that. Like, I I reached out to a bunch of guys. None of us had ever done an ultra before, let alone an ultra like this, which was like nine thousand yeah. elevation gain and oh crazy gosh. obstacles. And he's just like, yeah, I just said yes. And yeah. then I started training. <laughs> you know, like, like, don't think it. Say yes and then do it. And I think that's just a great way to live. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. What's next for Lucy Westlake? Yeah, well, what's next, hopefully, is doing the Grand, uh, the Grand Slam, the Explorer's Grand Slam, which I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's climbing to the highest uh, point on every continent. Um, so that's like Everest and is the highest point in Asia. Aconcagua is the highest point in South America. Um, so I, I've done three of them. I've done Europe's highest point, Africa's high, highest point, and uh, North America's highest point, which was Denali. And basically, like I, there's only been five women to ever complete the Explorer's Grand Slam and about 100 people in total. And I want to be, if I do complete it, I want to be the youngest uh, female to complete it. So the youngest female right now is 20. And I know with, um, with running and everything, once I go into college, I won't have the opportunity to, to like, pursue that when I'm running D1. But, um, but I have a semester where, uh, where I, I'm going to graduate a semester early from school. So I'm actually graduating this December. And I have the opportunity to possibly do, uh, to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam before college, which is is my next goal. And what really, what's like the variable, what we're not sure, why we're not sure, like completely in is because it costs so much money <laughs> to do, to complete like Mount Vincent, going to, going to Antarctica, going to the South Pole, mm-hmm. to the North Pole, out Mount Everest, costs so much money. So right now I'm, I'm in the process of trying to get sponsorships and trying to raise money for, for that. So you can go to lucywestlake.com if you, want, if you feel called to, called to help me in that. But I, I also don't want to just do it like to do it. <laughs> I, I want to do it and be able to re- like do it for a purpose. So I really, like the reason, I want to like relate it back to the water crisis. So I really want to raise money and awareness for Water Step 
through through my climbing and that that's like that's always kind of a, the center of of my life of what I I want to like bring everything I do running mountain climbing back to that purpose um, so I'm super excited to to work with them and also when I'm in my semester off actually like go to Kenya and be able to put in water filters for them um, so that's something I'm really excited to do too so that's kind of next on the bucket list um, is graduate high school <laughs> first of all um, know where I want to go to college know where I want to run and then and then hopefully go and climb some of these mountains and go to Africa and help put in water filters and then I'll be off to college. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're an incredible person. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend listeners or viewers check out Lucy's website, uh, lucywestlake.com, you said? Yes, right? yeah. And how much money are you trying to raise in total? Have you figured it out? Honestly, I, I don't really want to put a limit on it. I just yeah. want to see what happens um, because... Is there a minimum you need, though? Um, I, we, we haven't figured that out yet. It's actually, like, kind of one mountain at a time. But for, for um, to climb, to climb um, or to go to the North Pole um, cost about, like, $35,000. And then Everest cost, like, $70,000. And so does Mount Vincent and... Um, going to South America so it's definitely a lot of money and that's why I'm also trying to get like sponsorships from brands and everything Um, and yeah so we'll we'll see and I definitely it cost about um, $8,000 for a water filter um, to put in a water filter uh, in a village so I I definitely want to raise some money for that too and well, we'll see where life takes me. Yeah, I just I want a big thermometer on your website to like try and that hit the, this good. goal, you know, um, stay, get you to that next mountain and then the mountain after that. I'll I'm talk sure to them people, about that. That's yeah. smart. I like that. Well, I, I think when it's never ending, it's kind of hard to know what someone's helping towards, right? True, true, Versus true. Versus like yeah. you see, okay, well, I need X amount of dollars to get here and this is, this is the first step in this goal. Um, puts everyone behind that in a yeah. different way. So that's a good suggestion. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go home and talk to my parents about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's been an honor to get to know you. I just can't wait to see what happens in the future with you and your your life and everything that you're gonna do. It's just there's no doubt to me that you're gonna be a success at whatever you want to accomplish. And I just think mm-hmm. you're uh, such an inspiration to not only uh, young adults, but adults like myself too. <laughs> just incredible. And your dad has done, and, and parents have done such an amazing job of, of raising you. And yeah, it's just, I'm happy to have uh, spent this time and get to know you more. Yeah, I'm so glad to, to have talked with you too. It's been a great conversation. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Lucy, for stopping by and sharing your incredible story with us. I'm blown away by you, your empathy, drive, and ability to inspire those around you wise beyond your years for sure. I know I'll be listening again with my kids and also setting some goals of our own to climb our own mountains, our own high points. Certainly intrigued with Denali. That is on my bucket list now and I would love to accomplish that with my family. I'd also love to hear from you. What did you think about this episode? Did you share with anyone? You can comment on Facebook or Instagram at Not Almost There. Also, if you like this episode and others, please make sure to share it and leave a review. It makes a huge difference because I want to make sure I'm bringing you the most impactful, relevant guests and stories that I can. Okay, that all said, have an amazing week. And remember, you, me, we are not 
almost there.